Welcome to a new episode of Mediterranean Sustainability Partners. I'm your host, Ellen Wasalina. In this episode, entitled Dare to Partner with the Future, I'll be speaking with Peter David Pedersen. Peter David is going to introduce to us Nellis in the first segment, the Next Leaders Initiative for Sustainability, its vision and mission. In the second segment, he's going to talk about One Million Leaders, or OML. And finally, in the third segment, we'll talk about the OML app as a tool for both empowerment and fundraising. Here's a short bio of Peter David Pedersen. Peter David was born in Denmark, a resident of Japan for now 31 years. He has worked on business and sustainability in Japan since 1995. He set up one of the country's first dedicated sustainability consultancies, E-Square Inc., in 2000, running the company as CEO until 2011. Presently, he wears three hats. One is co-founder of the nonprofit Nellis, a global network aiming to connect, inspire, and empower next-gen sustainability leaders. A second one is professor of sustainability and innovation at a five-year-old business school in Tokyo, Shizenkan University. And a third hat as independent director of two listed Japanese companies, Meiji Holdings and Moriye Group. His greatest passion is for the empowerment of an emerging generation of social innovators and sustainability practitioners across the globe. Please do join us and thank you for tuning in from 65 countries and five continents in English and French. Episode of Mediterranean Sustainability Partners. I am so pleased to be joined by Peter David Pedersen from Japan, right? Good morning, Peter. Good morning, good afternoon. It's afternoon here in Japan. Lovely, lovely. Thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. And we have a, a nice program for our, for our listeners. Uh, and by the way, I might mention, uh, Peter David, that um, we are heard in 65 countries and five continents, and Japan is on our list. So I hope you can help me improve the listening audience in Japan as we as we go forward, because you have some very interesting subjects that we're going to talk about today, as agreed. So the title of this episode is Dare to Partner with the Future. Now, here are the three segments. The first segment, which we're going to do now, is what is Nellis? Next Leaders Initiative for Sustainability, its vision and mission. You're going to tell us all about that. In segment two, we'll be talking about OML, One Million Leaders. You're going to tell us all about that. And in segment three, what is the OML app as a tool both for empowerment and fundraising? So let's start at the beginning. Peter David, what is Nellis? Thank you. Yes. Uh, Nellis, as you said, stands for Next Leaders Initiative for Sustainability. It's a nonprofit that was founded in Japan in 2015, and it's now active in five continents in the world. And the reason uh, we established this Next Leaders Initiative for Sustainability uh, was my work 
uh, around sustainability in Japan, which I've been doing since 1995. Mm -hmm. I have been working with large multinationals like Nissan or Panasonic or Hitachi, NEC, etc., on sustainability strategy, uh, marketing, communication, etc. And all of them are nice companies doing as well as they can within the present system. But I had this nagging feeling that just working within the present system would never get us to sustainability. Huh. So it's kind of epiphany uh, in the early 2000s that we needed a new approach. We needed a bottom-up uh, global network of next-gen leaders, people, young professionals in their 20s and 30s who are working to change the world, the change makers who are out there doing the things. Right. So no matter how painstakingly hard it would be, we need to stitch together this global network of next-gen leaders. Fantastic. Um, and there it really was kind of an epiphany that came on a train and I started jotting down the ideas. <laughs> it's usually like that, right? Yeah. It's, it's usually like it's, that. You know, when you have some free time and your brain can think, you know. <laughs> in strange places, good ideas exactly. pop up. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then it took me some years to get it off the ground, but with a couple of uh, business friends in Japan, we started uh, Nellis here out of Japan in 2015 and we, we started invited these young people to Japan. We had 25 people from 15 countries come to Japan in autumn of 2015. Wow. And we started brainstorming around what could a network like this do? Hmm. What should be the vision, the mission? Uh, how could we make it work? The modus operandi, etc. Um, and we had an amazing week in Japan. And from there, we, we started creating the organization, a small core team, people who started working on first the fundamentals. What is our vision? What is our exactly. mission? So, so tell us about that. So what is your vision and your mission for Nellis? Yes, we had a beautiful, after our, one of our first summits, uh, we had a beautiful online session uh, with me and a couple of the participants and we kept brainstorming uh, around this and we ended up with a vision that is very short, succinct and, and clear, I think, which is one world in harmony. Wow. Uh, just four words, one world in harmony. Wonderful. It means reconnecting humanity and nature. It means having a community spirit for the human family. And it really means also working together to create a future we can be proud of passing on to the next generation. Um, so that's the vision. And of course, as we all know, we are very far from that state right now. It's, a one, <laughs> it's several worlds in disharmony maybe at the moment, uh, but it's, it's like the North Star, uh, it, however long it'll take. Uh, we might never actually get there, but that's the direction we're heading, one world in harmony. Unless you have a direction. Exactly. We need a direction. And, and most of the members really like this. They really buy into this idea of one world in harmony. Um, and then, of course, you need a mission. So how do you get to this vision? <laughs> what do you do along the way? And again, it was co-created. We brainstormed with participants, uh, young leaders across the world. And we came up with a mission that runs. We connect, inspire and empower a new generation of sustainability leaders across the world. Fantastic. So our three mantras are connect, inspire, empower. And it's mm. a new generation of budding, emerging, aspiring sustainability leaders across the world, basically. Fantastic. That's fantastic. Sounds so close to what I'm trying to do, you know. And I think you and I mean, you started before me, but it's important that we give these young people, first of all, hope and we give them the tools and we give them uh, a destination, like you said, a, a, you know, a vision and a mission to where they're going. I think that's really important, don't you? Absolutely, I agree. Um, yeah, we found out, of course, as you said, exactly the, the hope is extremely important, the direction yeah. is extremely important. But then, exactly. 
like a few projects, a few concrete projects where you can together, you know, put your hands in the dirt. <laughs> it's yeah. also often needed. Um, yeah. So we started the, we started saying, look, we want local chapters it's in different parts of the world. We work with the best people who came to Japan. We started forming local chapters in Africa, then in Asia, in Latin America. And now we have local chapters, including Japan, in around nine locations around the world, I think. Uh, many of them are now established as local nonprofits. It's a completely flat organization. Okay, Nellis Global is based in Japan, but it's not like we are a hierarchy, basically. We're a flat organization, a, a kind of federation of local nonprofits that work together towards the same vision. But then we learned that just having a vision and a mission is not enough unless you have a project. <laughs> That's true. So the third thing you need is a project. <laughs> so uh, it took us a while to kind of find out what would be the right kind of project to, to realize our vision and our mission. Um, so we kind of built, you could say, the, the foundation, the network of people over the first few years. And then our, our kind of two big projects started only in 2020. That was five years after we actually started the network. Wow. And one of them is an innovation platform that links large multinational, mainly Japanese corporations, to the young social innovators across the world. So we can get some cross inspiration from the, the social entrepreneurs out there to the intrapreneurs inside the companies working also on sustainability. Yeah. So that innovation platform is running, it's doing quite well. Um, and in the same year, in 2020, we initiated our other big project, which is, I guess, the main topic of today's talk also a training and empowerment program that we call One Million Leaders. Yeah, we'll get to that in the second segment. But so you have really built, like like you said, it's flat. So are these nonprofits then all independent and have to, you know, work their own funding out? Or how does that work with, with, with Nellis? Exactly, <clears throat> exactly. Um, they are all legally independent. We have Nellis Nigeria, Nellis Nepal, Nellis yeah. Colombia, Nellis Finland. They're all established as local entities with local directors. Okay. So, um, but they use the name Nellis. We have a kind of, a, at the moment, it's mainly a gentleman's agreement, you could say, about how it's being run. And the whole idea is, all, yes, you should go for local funding, uh, but it's not always easy when you don't have a track record to begin with. That's true. So the first few years, we have been channeling money from the projects that we have been running in Japan, or out of Japan. And basically, we have about 40 people on our global team at the moment. Okay. In, wow. I don't know, maybe 12, somewhere between 12 and 15 countries we have. Oh, no, no, sorry, it's 20 countries. 14 pe 40 people in 20 countries involved. Wow. And all the money that goes to this team is at the moment generated out of Japan. Okay. All right. Well, that's good because it's also very hard, you know, and I don't know if these are young people heading up your different organizations in different countries. It's very difficult, like you said, if you don't have a track record or to find the funding, identify the funding. So I guess you gave them some, I can call it seed money, a little bit of money to start. And then so they get, you know, they're recognized, of course, from your organization in Japan. And then they have, you know, are building their reputation, which is very important, right? To be able to get funding and get people to federate around what they're doing. Is that correct? Exactly, exactly. And that's what's happening after a couple of years. We're starting to see sort of initiatives where there's a possibility for local funding, local initiatives. And that was always trying to do from the very beginning. But yeah, you need some credibility. You need maybe a bit of funds in the beginning to get things running and right. you can't live entirely. There's a Danish saying that's saying even a hero can't live on, on mineral water and love alone. So, <laughs> mineral water and love will not do it. You need some more substantive things sometimes to make a living, right? So 
yeah. and we're able to provide that uh, to a certain extent. Uh, I think yeah. that's really good. Yeah. All right. Uh, let, let's wrap up this segment. Uh, so what, what are your next big projects maybe with Nellis? You could tell us what's in the pipe. Uh, what do you have planned maybe for next year or what are you trying to do before the end of the year? What are your goals? Well, we have, uh, we have the goal of kind of ramping up our two main projects, the innovation platform, with, which now has 25 multinational corporations on board, wow. uh, which is kind of the, the revenue generating engine of Nellis at the moment. And we are we're trying to create a global innovation hub in Tokyo around the, the topics we're covering in this innovation platform, which is food, water, resources, and energy slash climate change. Uh, because we need revolutionary innovation around those four areas. So we're trying to create a global innovation hub in Tokyo, reaching out to the world to innovate around those topics. I think that's fantastic. And the other big thing we're trying to work on now is, and we are in a pilot phase right now, is I guess the topic of the second part, which is uh, a, a training and empowerment program for next-gen leaders, which runs simultaneously or concurrently in four regions in the world called One Minute Leaders. That's fantastic that you're putting, you know, like you said, we said it's great to have a vision and mission, but then you have to have the tools. And then if you add training into the mix, I mean, you're really trying to set these young people up as, as I am in my organization. You know, we're trying to train the next generation of leaders in sustainability. So, I mean, that's fantastic because if you don't, you know, um, as, as I, as you know, I, I teach in many Parisian business schools and there's really no sustainability aspect in, let's say, any curriculum marketing or whatever it is, business or, you know, and I'm putting it in there. I'm, 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 I build my own curriculum, for example, and I'm sure you're doing this, but, you know, going into business schools and trying to put something into the curriculum and having the liberty to do that, I think is really important. So, um, this is great to hear what you're doing. So Japan really has a, a technological base as well. What are some of the ideas that you're seeing coming out? Maybe we'll wrap up with this and then move on to the next segment. What are some ideas that you're seeing coming around out of this, this, you know, this uh, system, this biosphere that you're creating between the young people and the corporations? What were you seeing? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because we're seeing, first of all, um, that people who are in large corporations often have small ideas hmm, <laughs> or they, they have been kind of trained to have to work within the the rigid rather rigid corporate structures and they have been told not to dream you know or they've been told not maybe specifically but they that's kind of the, the atmosphere <laughs> so they they very much enjoyed when they meet young social innovators working on you know the circular economy and upcycling in Costa Rica or plastic waste issues in South Asia or regenerative agriculture in, in Europe or Africa. They are first of all hugely inspired wow. by seeing these people and, and they really enjoy the kind of workshops, this, the online sessions we've had, which are first of all, I think has just been rekindling their inner fire in a way, inspiring them to do more right. and to, to dare more also especially by young people, you know, because this is what I like about your program and what I'm trying to do is that, you know, these young people see things differently than we do. You know, we're older and, you know, we didn't grow up uh, with, you know, a, a cell phone. I always say to my students, I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a computer. 
I had to carry all my books. I had to go to the library. And I said, now you have something, you have your telephone, you have your iPad in your hand and everything's there. So the, the fact that they're growing up with this technology, how do you see also the, the access to technology as a driver? I know we're gonna talk about uh, your app at, in the third segment, but how important is technology in all of this? Well, for global activities like this, it's extremely important, I think. Uh, so technology, as you know, can be a double-edged sword, but certainly mm. for forms of collaboration, creating a bottom-up network like this, we would probably never get it off the ground if we didn't have modern technology, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, so sure. It can be used in a very beneficial way as well. Good. So, All right. Listen, Peter David, we'll stop here for the first segment. Uh, I'll see you back in the second segment. Thank you. Thank you. back in the second segment with Peter David Pedersen. Peter, David, welcome back. Thank you, Ellen. Good to see you again. Yeah, great to have you today on the podcast. Um, I'm just thrilled and I'm learning more about what you do and what your organization does. So just for our listeners joining us, Peter David, in 65 countries and five continents, we talked about Nellis, so the Next Leaders Initiative for Sustainability in the first segment. Now, and we sort of started to talk about it, about one million leaders. Tell us about that, Peter David. That's an exciting objective, one million leaders. How, how have you attained that goal already? <laughs> Thank you. It's an aspirational goal. It's an aspirational goal, but was the whole idea behind Nellis that we need a large number of excellent next-gen leaders across the world. If you want to put the world on the right track, a thousand leaders or even 10,000 leaders will not be enough. That's so true. we have this aspirational goal of one million next-gen leaders uh, of high quality and high quality means they have social conscience, they know about ecological issues as well, and they act on, on, these, on this knowledge and awareness. Terrific. Um, so OML, uh, one million leaders is a project we are running now since 2020. And this also, the, the original idea kind of also popped up in a funny situation. I'm advisor to Mitsubishi Corporation, which is the second largest company in Japan. I was sitting in one of the sustainability committees, listening to some of their story about their social contribution activities. I think I was a little bit bored. I was brainstorming myself on a piece of paper. And then maybe I was inspired by their talk still. Then the idea of one minute leaders through Nellis just popped up and I started writing it down on a piece of paper. Wow. Um, and then I reached out to our African team uh, based in Nigeria. And I said, I have this idea of One Million Leaders Africa, OMLA. What do you think about it? And the funny thing was the, the leader of Nellis Nigeria, which is kind of the secretary for Africa, a great guy called Lawrence Afera, who has a he's, has an agricultural cooperative with young organic farmers, 5,000 farmers in Nigeria. Wow. And he was immediately, immediately with me. He actually said to me, I also had this dream of empowering One Million Young Africans. <laughs> But we were immediately booked. This was 2019. Uh, then we, okay, then first we went to Mitsubishi Corporation and said, you have a big social contribution budget. Why don't you support this initiative? We'll be known all over Africa as the company empowering next-gen leaders. I thought it was an amazing idea. And so what did they say? We never did anything as large as that. We asked for maybe $400,000 a year. But this is, I mean, this is a huge, 
huge company. So we thought you would be all over Africa, known as the company. But they said, oh no, we never did any social contribution initiative. That was so big and blah, 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 blah. So I got sort of sick and tired of hearing <laughs> about the bureaucracy. So we started exploring other ways of starting the initiative. And we started channeling some of the money that we had accumulated in Dallas to, to run some pilots. And when it started, Omla in Africa, One Million Years Africa started, uh, our Latin American team said, hey, we want to do this in Latin America. So let's do Omla Tam, uh, One Million Years Latin America. Okay, let's try Omla Tam. So we had an Omla Tam team starting in the same year, 2020. And then we had uh, a Saudi Arabian princess who's working on sustainability saying, you should do this in the MENA region, Middle East and North Africa, the Arabic speaking countries. Uh, and I thought that was amazing. So yes, why don't we do the MENA region? Then we found people who would help us uh, set up a, a secretariat in the MENA region, uh, which was in Jordan. Okay. Uh, and then, yeah, and then we had Asia. And I live and work in Asia. And we again, there were excellent people in the Nellis Network in Asia. Sure. Uh, we discussed the idea and then we set up OMLAS, uh, One Million Leaders Asia. So within a year or so, we had wow. pilot training program running in four different regions of the world, Africa, Latin America, MENA, and Asia, with four different secretariats, with people running our training and empowerment program on the ground, basically. Let's stop for just a moment, if you would, for our listeners, um, if you would explain a little bit the business side of this, you know, how do you set up those, those four or five geographic secretariats? And, you know, how do you organize? I mean, I'm, I'm just curious myself too, but I think our listeners will be, you know, how do you set up? That's a huge endeavor over a year, 12 months period to put in place these secretaries. Can you tell us a little bit about the organizational side? Yes, and then we can talk about the program later on. And that's exactly. a very important point you're raising with the organizational side, because this yeah. was, is the strength of a, a distributed network a decentralized autonomous network with people who want to do these things. So it's not like a, a pyramidical hierarchical organization where, for example, I'm sitting in Tokyo as a kind of and, and pulling the, the threads or whatever. No, it's, it's again a shared vision, a shared sense of mission, people willing to put in more time in the beginning, at least than they're maybe fairly paid for because they believe in this vision. Sure. Um, so that it really was a very decentralized autonomous distributed leadership type of thing in the first stage otherwise okay. we would be able to get four regions off the ground in, in one year yeah. so wow yeah <laughs> that's amazing it's an amazing feat it's so, all but it all comes down to the quality of the people and those are the people we had kind of met and, and you know we did endless zoom talks over years and years and years about this meeting each other in japan elsewhere and it's always in the end the quality of the people the commitment the dedication the consistency of the people can I say something too that maybe COVID gave you an opportunity? And I always say, you know, COVID was, as we say in French, c'est une chance. It, it was, you know, a lucky point for, for many of us who saw these opportunities as you did and had this vision that you can do a lot of things online. And again, thanks to technology, we can, right? We can have, you know, you and I are seeing each other on Zoom today. You know, before, if we didn't have this technology, it wouldn't be possible. So can you can you also maybe weave in a little bit of this technology aspect that allowed you to achieve, you know, what you hope to achieve with these one million leaders? That's a very good point because when we thought of one million leaders Africa, it was still 2019. We were still in the mode of meeting physically. So that's right. why we had to 
of $400,000. We thought these leaders who were supposed to be trained the trainers, we were going to train them as train the trainers. Okay. And we thought they all had to come to Rwanda, to the African Leadership University campus there. Oh. And of course, it costs a lot of money to get a hundred. We were talking about a hundred young African leaders to begin with. To get them from all over Africa to come to Rwanda for a week is hugely expensive. So oh, then sure. came COVID, then came COVID and no one could go anywhere. <laughs> and suddenly we were, we were actually using Zoom in Netherlands before then, but suddenly everyone started using Zoom for it, as you know, for everything. So exactly. Uh, so we thought, okay, maybe we just start the program online and we do the intensive training program at least online and see what happens. And as, as we all know now, a lot of things can be done very effectively with modern technology um, online. And, and can be sustainable in a way, right? I mean, you were talking about the, the financial aspect of, you know, bringing all these leaders, but there's also the ecological aspect or the sustainability aspect, uh, you know, about how many, how many do we need to fly everywhere? Do we need to travel everywhere? Um, you know, reducing your carbon footprint in that way. And maybe it was, like I said, c'est une chance, as we say in French, you know, it's, yeah. it was really maybe a good luck that, that it forced you to think maybe differently. Can I say that? Absolutely, I agree entirely. It's also much easier for me sitting in, in Japan to engage with, I can be take part in these programs in four parts of the world, which would, if I had to fly all these places all the time, I mean, I would, I would not have <laughs> you would a family. Never be home. <laughs> I would never be home. Right? So much better. It's better for family life. It's better for the environment. It's more effective sometimes. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Really I mean, is. it is good to meet in person. Would you agree? I mean, you know, I must say I was I was just in Tunisia and I just came back from Tunisia and it's so nice to see people and have dinner with people and connect with people. And I, I you know, I just love that. And I miss that, you know, especially during COVID. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yes. The most wonderful times are when every now and then we have our global team get together we have a few days together, you know, drinking, chatting, having workshops. Yeah. That's also very needed. So it's a combination, I think, now of face-to-face. -face, and then when you have face-to-face -face bonds, yeah. yeah, exactly. When you have face-to-face -face bonds, then you can do other stuff better online, I think. That, that's true. I think that's a very important point that you make there, Peter David, is that, you know, once you meet people, it's like anything, I think, in person, then you can take the relationship to the next level. But if you have never met people and try to do something or try to do business even without meeting people, I, I, I find it extremely difficult, you know, from a human connection point of view. You know, you really can't, you know, look at the person, feel the, per you know, get the feeling mm -hmm. of, and, and this is great because I can see you, you can see me, you can tell, you know, if I'm excited about something or, if I don't like it, you know, so <laughs> it, it, it's quite a, it's quite a nice mix to have that hybrid. Let's uh, let's look at what you have planned because time, of course, you know, runs as we speak. Um, let's look at what's coming up. Uh, no, so very ambitious, right? One million leaders out of nine billion people, right? Um, mm -hmm. What what are your ambitions? Uh, what's what's in the pipe? What are, what kind of programs are coming up? Tell tell our audience about what you're yes. doing for this year and next year, maybe. The way we're doing it, first of all, is we have an intensive online training program on social entrepreneurship, transformative leadership, sustainability, project management, very intensive, uh, which covers, we, we select the fellows, as we call them, from each of the regions separately, screen them, interview them, select them, and they go through the intensive training pro uh, phase. After this intensive training program, uh, the, the way we intend to get to 1 million is that they go out into their communities and recruit younger people. Uh, people who are just 
So how old, sorry, how old are these young leaders? What's the age? Uh, most of them, are, most of them are like in their thirties. So they have okay. some track record in the social space or environmental space. They then, after the intensive training period, they go out into their communities, find younger people. Uh, like what, what age? What what age? Well, early twenties, maybe some university okay. students. And we even have in some regions a third tier where when this second tier is trained, they go out and find even high school students or early wow. university students. Wow. So uh, we have, for example, right now in Asia, more than 500 people involved in the program at this very moment. We have Amazing. almost 400 in, in, in Africa. And the second part of the program is then that these fellows who get the intensive training with their second tier, third tier stars or starlets, as we call them, together mm. they, they co-design community projects. So they, tell they, us, give us an example, like how yes. would that work? Um, for example, it could be a project about uh, one of the recent projects in Asia is mental support, mental hygiene for populations in Myanmar, where this okay. is certainly not a topic that has been covered very effectively. So one of our teams there really wants to work on mental health of wow. Myanmar rural people, which I think mm. is, is quite new. could also be an upcycling initiative in Nepal using agricultural fibers to create bags, upcycling wasted agricultural residue for products, basically. It could be a project in Africa around hygiene in hand washing or things like that. So the way we really develop the leadership in the end is by going out into the world and trying out some of our skills. Can we engage other people towards a common goal? Can we achieve something within three to four months together? So actually we have right now this year at this very moment around, uh, let me see, it's 40 to 50 community projects running or in the planning stage in, in three of the regions, in Africa, in MENA and in Asia. That's terrific. And so how, do, how is your mix, I have to ask, is there girls, boys, how, how are you trying to make maybe gender balance or is that important to this program? Can you tell me a little bit about that? We, we do consider it when we pick the fellows in the first tier. Sure. Um, we can't always achieve full gender balance. There's, it still tends to be more men than women, but okay. we're trying. We're trying to be as close to, as possible to gender balance. And sure. then, okay, when they go out into their communities, we can't really control it. But it's normally a mixture of, of both genders. I was just curious, you know, because when I see, you know, students that I teach in, 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 in Parisian business schools, you know, depending on the on the subject matter, for example, communications, it's a lot of women. There's rarely a you know, there's a few men, young men. Uh, whereas if I go into an engineering school, it's exactly the opposite. It's mostly men, young men, and then very few women. So I was just curious, you know, if there's in a certain, in your space, how is it looking and are, are women engaged? I think, you know, uh, it's important uh, to, to try to engage everybody. And I know it's not always easy to get that balance that what, I was just curious. And, and maybe in well, different countries too. There are lots of women uh, involved and, and really doing amazing stuff out there. I mean, there are superstars that the world hasn't discovered yet. So wow. it gives the whole beauty behind this program is we discover, and that was the whole idea with it, we discover the next superstars. Like 21-year-old Bibi Taifa in northern Pakistan, working with women to empower them through teaching them stitching and teaching them how to build egg farms and so on. And she's just 21. But this person, wow. if we empower her the right way, she could be a future leader for, for Pakistan, for sure. That's, so when you discover these people, you feel so happy. You feel all the effort that you made really made. Of course, sense. of course. Well, listen, um, 
any final words on this one million leaders and then we'll go to the next segment about the app that you've built and you're in the process of building which is actually the you know the the technical aspect of it that allows you to get a bigger reach or a global reach would you like to say a few closing words on this segment yes exactly so the way we sponsored the first pilot programs of oml was through personal contributions of business leaders that i know in japan i had about 10 excellent individuals from ceos of very large corporations who personally chipped in with you know ten thousand twenty thousand dollars so we created a small pool of money to run but any initiative needs a business model whether you're a non-profit or for-profit doesn't matter you need a business model that can work over years so we're now trying to develop an app which is at the same time fundraising and an empowerment tool uh, which we can talk about later on in the, in the next segment so that's that's good i was going to ask you i think i may we have i have so many questions to ask you and i don't want to interrupt you too much but you know the business model for this because if you're people that are listening to us everywhere in the world and where you've got you know committees and and groups and secretariats and things what you know and i teach this subject actually so i'm very interested in what kind of business model does a young person need to have to do this type of work um, I'd be very curious to hear what you have to say on that. Yes, and that is the, I would say, the biggest challenge for all these young people wanting to do good things in the world. Right. And there is no simple answer to it. You have to build a business model, a value proposition that someone is willing to pay money for, whether it's individuals or uh, grant giving organizations. But we are teaching this element in the training program as well, oh, because fantastic. That, they cannot get their dreams off the ground. So how do you build theory of change? How do you move from theory of change to activities? How do you pitch your story and so on? It's oh, that's so great. I have to say, you know, I, I, I did a class recently down in Montpellier uh, entitled New Sustainable Business Model. And I introduced some concepts and these are uh, third year students, I think, or second year students. And one that you said the key word is the value proposition. You know what what are you proposing? And on you know and I have found these Canva where, that I can use where you have the client and you have the company and you, it looks easy. You have two circles, and you think you know what are you proposing? What does the client want from me? What are his difficulties and how are you resolving those difficulties? And how are you creating value add? And what value add do you get or does a client get? Just simple. It looks really simple, but <laughs> you know, it's 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 hard sometimes to put on paper and have those two match as best possible. So that's something I I think is really important, and I'm so glad that you're teaching them, you know, the importance of having a business model first of all and having that value proposition, because without it, I don't think you know you can imagine where and who you're trying to serve and what customer segment, for example, you're trying to serve. So. I think we'll end it there now that we've got our, our class on business models at the end of the segment. Thank you yes. so much, Peter David. It's a real pleasure. We'll move on to the third segment. Thank you. Thank you. Peter David Peterson. Peter David, welcome back. This is our final segment. Thank you, Ellen. Good to be here again. Thank, thank you so much for joining me from Japan today. Uh, I just want to remind our listeners who are listening to us in 65 countries and five continents that 
We're talking to you about the title of this episode, just if you're coming into it, is Dare to Partner with the Future. And Peter David Pedersen has been talking to me about Nellis, Next Leaders Initiative for Sustainability. In the second segment, which we just finished, is about one million leaders. And now the very important conclusion to this episode and this third segment is what is the OML app, the One Million Leaders app, as a tool for empowerment and fundraising. Peter David, tell us all about it. Yes, thank you. We started a program called One Million Leaders in 2020. We started planning it and it's running now in four regions, uh, Latin America, Africa, MENA and Asia. Um, it's an training and empowerment program for young leaders, fellows, as we call them, in their 20s and 30s, social entrepreneurs, aspiring leaders, etc. Um, and it's a beautiful program, but any beautiful initiative in the world needs a functioning business model. Um, so we have sponsored the first stage of this uh, One Million Leaders program through personal contributions from business leaders and from Nellis's a very modest war chest, you could say. <laughs> but, um, but we are now developing, or we have launched in April, an app called the OML app, One Million Leaders app, which is at the same time a fundraising tool and also a learning tool, an engagement tool. And so basically the idea with this app is that we have our whole our global community of fellows are registered on the app. You can watch their projects. You can see what they've learned on their journey. We also have stories about leadership. We have stories about sustainability. We have online training modules and we have uh, regular community events, about two webinars or masterclasses every month. And all of this can be joined for a minimum of $1.5, including all fees per month. That's so it's amazing. Basically less than the cost of a cup of coffee. You can both learn and it's quite a sort of multifaceted learning universe as well. And you can at the same time feel okay with my at least, okay, you can pay more than $1.5 if you want to. but. For minimum $1.5 a month, you can also support the emergence of these young leaders across the world. Oh, okay. And I know you did a launch, right? When was your first launch? You invited me. I believe I attended the first launch. When was it? A few months it back. Was no? April, April 29th this year, we had the launch, yes, with okay. people participating from 47 countries. So it's a very nice wow. launch. Wow. Yes. Congratulations. Congratulations. So uh, tell, tell us a little bit about you know who you're targeting. Um, who, who is going to be on these apps? Now, it's different than from all the things you explained to us in the first and second parts. Um, tell us a little bit about who the, the, your client or your audience is and what you, what you aim to achieve with this app. I mean, it's nice to have it on your phone, I imagine, right? It's so practical. First of all, for young people now, things basically need to be on their phone. <laughs> it needs to be, right. need to be able to tap an icon on your phone to be yep. engaged all the time. So. It's kind of a pragmatic tool to say, if we want to also empower a million leaders, we need a tool that can reach out and where people can be engaged all the time, where they want to come back for more learning, for more community building, etc. So uh, the app is, first of all, it's for those young aspiring leaders themselves. Once they graduate their program, their only membership fee of the alumni community is to sign up to the app. So they are okay. asked, they will so give them this is not exactly. for new people or anybody coming in. This is for the leaders that you've identified. No, that's the first. That's the first layer. The, the our fellows, and when, while they're under training, they get free access. And okay. then the idea is you pay forward, as we say, when you graduate, 
you contribute to the next, raising the next round of leaders by signing up to the app for this minimum $1.5. So, and we're seeing the young leaders, aspiring leaders are very enthusiastic because it's for them, it's about their initiatives and so on. But that's just the first layer. Of course, we're hoping that there's a second layer, which is larger of people across the world who are interested in sustainability and social innovation and social entrepreneurship, and also who are willing to support these young leaders. Oh, so this, uh, this is maybe the larger the, the larger challenge that we have is reaching out to this second layer of people who are certainly, they do exist all over the world today, I think, um, and get them to sign up because there are many different apps in the world. <laughs> Why should you sign up to, to a One Million Leaders app? Another and, app, right? Another app, so but that, a very, very useful app. Can you tell us a little bit about, for those that are listening, about, you know, how do you build an app and how do you, I know it's I'm, not to be too technical, but I've never built an app before. And and how how long does it take and how much does it cost? I mean, things practical like that, if you would. That's a really interesting question. Of course, it was for our little team also the first time forever to build oh. an app. It was sometimes chaotic because we had never tried it before. But we <laughs> basically, um, it took five months of actual development and a few months before that of brainstorming around the content. Um, the actual development process took five months it was as everything we do with Nellis it was a completely global initiative with our app developer sitting in Colombia our team being in Colombia Japan uh, Greece and the Middle East at the same time wow. <laughs> in wow. Africa so uh, extremely uh, global development team so we had a lot of nightly meetings going through the different functions um, so it's what is it like it's difficult to say but it's uh it's not as, as long as you have a good app developer who knows all the technical details, it's not really that complicated. But the difficult thing is to find what would be the, the right names, the content that will attract people. How can we make it engaging, exciting, visually appealing and so on? That takes a lot of time. But yeah, if you, all you need is a good app developer who knows how to do the technical stuff. Then it's not that difficult. But yeah, I tell so you, that the most difficult part, the most difficult part is the marketing. For sure. <laughs> and we're ah. working on it now. We have something which we call the onion strategy. And because we have this network of different layers, people who are very close to the 40 people we have in our global team, the people in the different regions, we are kind of looking at, can we peel off the layers of the onion to begin with to get mm. to sign up? Um, and the app will, by the way, it is right now in English, but will be in, in English, Arabic and Spanish from July. So oh, then we reach out to the MENA region and also to Latin America region for people to actually sign up. So we're hoping we can get to break even uh, just with this onion strategy. That is people reaching out to people in their networks and say, hey, we started this app. It can be your uncle, you know, your boss or whatever. <laughs> Someone who's willing to sign up for a dollar and a half a month, at least. Yeah, it's like you, you talk to 10 people and, and hope that, you know, 10 or 5 of them sign up, right? It's So you're, you're trying to use this world word of mouth strategy as well, more or less. I mean, like you said, marketing is difficult in this, this ocean of apps. You know, how do you stand out? And um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about the content. How do you create content that is engaging on an app? Uh, versus what you're doing, I guess, online and, you know, some of the curriculum that you're doing, the training that you're doing. How is an app, an app is quite, is it not limited to maybe space or time or how do you see young people using this app and really becoming, performing and, you know, being able to achieve their goal or your, your, you know, your goal, your overall goal of getting these 1 million leaders? 
Yes, first of all, for the for the kind of marketing outreach, um, yes, we, we try to come sort of get to break even, which is not that expensive to run and have actually if you if you run it the right way. So it's about fifteen hundred subscribers or so will take the app just to break even, and that should be doable through the network that we have. Then right. we're hoping for the second stage that we can engage with influencers around the world who are young influencers who want to have outreach but have good content, so good. we can kind of collaborate where they get a, a new forum for reaching out with their ideas and we get also their outreach at the same time. So we're hoping to be able to build a win-win relationship with aspiring up-and-coming, you know, um, influencers, basically. Influencers in sustainability or in what? Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. We're right now researching, we have kind of a database of influencers in the sustainability space. So we're hoping that could be a new kind of marketing strategy. Right. to take it to the second stage. But content-wise, it's the, the best thing about an app is you can be agile. We, we renew content every two weeks at the moment. We had wow. new stories about leadership. We had new stories about sustainability, new stories about the fellows, what they're doing on the ground. So every two weeks, there's new content there. Every two weeks, we add a, a new online training module. We have created an online training platform called Next Leaders University over a couple of years. We have some online trainings there. And every week, two weeks, we, we add a new training to the app. So through the app, you can also access these online training modules. Uh, and through our network, we have so many interesting people doing so many interesting things out there uh, who then organize webinars or masterclasses or town halls. So again, when we update content every two weeks, we add a new event, a new webinar, a new masterclass. So there's always something happening in and around the app. That's basically that's, that's amazing. So you don't lack of content. It's, you know, how do you choose which which content to do when or, you know, it's it's amazing that you have this this flow already in this wave or this ocean of content and inspiration. And then the problem, I think, becomes, you know, which one do we use when and how we use it, I suppose, in the sequencing as you go forward. Correct. Exactly. And, and we also need to see it's a pilot phase still. So we need to see what is the most engaging kind of content, what is still lacking to make people come back and so on. So it's an exploratory phase. But I think the most important thing for people developing new apps is don't spend too much money on running it because you will be unsustainable. And mm. secondly, don't expect it to take off immediately. Uh, if you've been in business for a while, you know that these things take time and people get very, of course, emotionally attached to their project, to their app or whatever it is, and they expect it to be a huge success in the first week. Normally yeah. it doesn't happen. So we say it'll take two to three years for this app to take off, really. Two to three um, years. To, to wow. get to a real tipping point, you know, where it spreads like a wildfire, hopefully. So, okay. but for any business initiative, try to get to break even as soon as possible. If you had a break even point, then you're not bleeding money. Then you can experiment with different stocks. Yeah, that, that's terrific. So if we were to conclude and say, you know, what you're doing and what's coming up, and maybe you could tell us a little bit about, I know every segment we've been talking about what's coming up. So what for Nellis or for One Million Leaders, what are your goals maybe for 2024? What do you hope to achieve? And maybe you want to be in a new region. Can you tell us a little bit about what's your ambition? I know you're very ambitious like me. What, what kind of ambitions do you have for, for the future? And do you see, what do you see coming? Or do you see challenges, difficulties, or do you see just, you know, open doors? Tell us about that. Well, I would say if you look broadly at the predicament of humanity at the moment, it looks pretty dire, I'm sorry. It's very tough environmentally. We're not moving the right direction. So we really, all of us just need to scale up our ambitions. We need to be extremely ambitious and we need to 
not have the fear of being over ambitious i think at the moment we cannot go within the present system it will not uh, it will not work so first of all what we're trying to do now is to say yes we actually do want to empower at least one million leaders if possible one million in each of the four regions by 2030 it's not just an aspirational goal it's a real target for us so how do we get to this tipping point of leadership empowerment which i think the world would never have seen before so i don't know if it's possible actually i don't even care if it's possible because every step on the journey makes sense every yeah. young leader we engage every young leader we empower co-inspire it goes both ways makes sense so we have this goal which is a serious goal of empowering women leaders by 2030 even i hope we will get there and we are not bluffing or just putting up a fancy number we're trying to get there but even if that should not happen we still need to be ambitious we still need to every step as long as every step on the journey makes sense i think it, it's still worthwhile to to and go on that to, to to believe you know like you say is you know is is critical to believe that you're going to make a difference and believe that you can make it and have confidence and inspire confidence and inspire young people i just want to congratulate you peter david on, on the journey that you're taking all these beautiful young leaders forward to to be and to make a difference i think that's i think probably your message would you say i think that's a really important message if i look eight years back there was nothing called nellis there were no leaders engaged around the world now we have people involved in 100 countries in six continents some others but really there are people young leaders one way or another in 100 countries uh, we have people great. training in 50 countries actually we actually have people under training in 50 countries in the world from scratch we didn't have a big a big foundation to begin with so anyone it's very important for people to really yeah believe uh, that they can do it but also realize that they cannot do it alone you need good collaborators yeah you That's really key. need you have to have a good team yeah you need to have a good team uh you need to have people who will join you on this journey otherwise you will burn out there are a lot of people burning out in this space as well so yeah. it's very important yeah. to keep yeah. your resilience over time as well it's, it's crucially yeah. important well i want to congratulate you and and thank you for your time again and i'd like to ask you to say just a few words in japanese for our japanese listeners as you are sitting in japan please え、皆様こんにちは。え、デリスのピーターと申します。あの、聞いていただいてありがとうございます。ぜひこのサンディスダイリーダーエンパワーするたび一緒に歩んでいければと思います。ありがとうございます。あ、that's oh, so nice. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much. I just want to congratulate you and wish you the best of luck and we'll stay in touch. I'm sure we'll have an, another podcast that we could talk about in a few few months how things are going and and I want to thank you for all your efforts. in training these these young people and creating this 1 million leaders i'm going to sign on to the app and i hope our listeners will too thank you again peter david peterson for joining me today on mediterranean sustainability partners thank you so much thank you thank you